going on, party crashers, level setters, and trailblazers? It's uh, it's Black Friday. Um, take that for what you will. <laughs> hey, uh, I am so uh, excited to to be with you and to present this episode to you. You know, Date and I, we don't always have a mapped out agenda before we record. I'm not sure how obvious that's been to you all. Um, but we actually had a game plan a couple days ago and, uh, we got together to record. And as we were just reflecting on all the things that had happened recently in Chesapeake, Virginia, Charlottesville, Virginia, um, and also uh, obviously Colorado Springs, you know, we just like, you know, we, we need to shelve our game plan and really talk about the things that were, were on our mind, uh, in the moment. And that's what you're going to get in this episode. And uh, you're really going to get a real, like, like kind of a more unmasked, stripped down version of who, who Date and I really are as friends and brothers. And there's, there's some moments of uh, vulnerability in this conversation. And um, I'm actually very, um, I'm proud to present this. Um, But before, before I let you go, and before we get into the episode, uh, speaking of vulnerability, as I'm a Virgo. And I'm also, I don't know if you're into Enneagrams or not, but I'm an Enneagram 9. And you you put those two things together and things like making a mistake. I just want to crawl into a ball and cry. <laughs> and, and that happened in this episode towards the very end. Um, there is a, a, a legend in the, um, in the uh, child, you know, un- the understanding of child behavior and in socialization and i refer to carol gilligan as carol milligan and i knew it in the moment and i'm like oh my gosh i'm gonna have to get out here and record uh, something saying that i'm not a complete moron i do know in it but but just just know that it's not always easy for a virgo i'm not even gonna say virgo for me to make a public mistake and I just want to let the record show that um, I respect Carol Gilligan's work, and I I hate that I said her name incorrectly. Ugh. But that being said, her work and the work of of Judy Chu and Niobe Way are really opening up my brain on understanding this crisis of connection, which we're going to get into. A little bit in this conversation and and really thinking about uh, where we need to go and date just has really some profound insight as he's talking about like how we might begin to move forward I'm really excited to uh, for you to hear his thoughts and then some of our conversation around that so with no further ado um, this this is the just like in every sitcom there's like that serious episode um, this is <laughs> the more serious, less political, actually non-political. Well, now there is a moment where I get somewhat political, but not, I don't know, not heavy handed. Um, but yeah, it's a good one. So I'm going to shut up now. You go and listen and, uh, I'll catch you on the flip side. Peace out. What's going on, man? What's up, dude? Whoo. Um, this is, uh, so this is the kind of our Thanksgiving week 
um, Trailblazing episode. And uh, I think we we planned it. We actually we actually had a plan. We had a plan. We had a plan. We were going to sit down and do this on Monday. It didn't feel right for right. lots of reasons. So we said, man, let's just let's scrap it. Let's come back together later in the week. And then, uh, you know, with what happened last night, we we're like, you know what? We just need to we just need to do the thing that we would do if we were just talking, which is like talking about what's going on. And so all, you know, the, all the call outs and the shout outs and the me complaining about Chuck Schumer, like we're not doing that this week. That I was going to, well, you mentioned his name. Full though. disclosure. See, I, I wasn't going to, I, I told myself that <laughs> it, when we were making up the plan, I'm like, do I, I wrote a note, do not mention Chuck Schumer. Okay. And so now that we have gotten a go going against that plan, I felt like that maybe that also meant that I could mention Chuck Schumer. Look, I, I think we both, you, you came in, uh, you walked in, and we both the media were like, that was another shooting last night. Yeah. And then we, I mean, we'll talk about all of this in a minute, but then we're like, you know, so this is going to sound corny, mm. but Gandhi was talking about be the change you want to see. Right. And and maybe it's just going to take some people with a little bit of courage to follow their instincts to be better, to say, you know what, we are going to not do, we're going to step out of the mold. And there's a time, there is a time to say, hey, policies can be better. Like we need to engage a set of folks. Like, there's yeah. a time for all that. And on the eve, Thanksgiving Eve, yeah, when clearly people in our world are hurting, mm -hmm. we're just gonna try and do something better. We we got to do something better. We got to be better. And you know what we were talking about, you know, off camera that I think we could just kind of bring into the conversation now was just that there's a there's an inability for us as a society anymore to to really communicate and understand each other or even want to empathize with each other and so you're right like we're like how do we become the change how do we how do we move from talking at to um to actively listening and uh communicating with each other because i they, i believe that this this crisis is a crisis of, you know, I think what, you know, a lot of academics would, would are calling, I think, very accurately, a crisis of connection. Mm. And, um, you know, what we're seeing over even just, even if we just look at the last few weeks with, you know, Charlottesville and, you know, also at the University of, 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 of Idaho, uh, Colorado Springs at Club Q, and now at a Walmart, in Chesapeake, um, Virginia, that there's real consequences to to what is happening in our society and the the erosion of I don't know of 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 authentic communication and uh, and community. Um, I don't know, like it's it, it, it this moment in time especially when we think about all the things that we're grateful for, I think it just calls for, it calls for something new. It calls for something, not just different, but something that's like bold 
Yeah. Um, but I don't know. But when I walked in, you you'd mentioned this. You're like, what kind of what are your thoughts on just kind of what you see with what happened in Chesapeake and Colorado Springs and Charlottesville? Like, kind of what's kind of what's going on in your in your mind right now? Well, I I mean, I I want to hear about this crisis of connection. I yeah. I, I think that's really important. Um, I think the the other thing that strikes me is like. Um, you know, there, there are some people that I read, there's a guy that I read, his name is Adam Kahane. Mm. And um, he, he's a kind of an organizational guy and, and a change guy. And, and he talks about like, um, to solve problems that we don't know the answer to, that sometimes what it takes is like, we got to sit with it for, mm. for a minute. Um, and, and he's like, you know, the, the, the techniques that we use to solve the problems that we know how to solve, like those all work. But what happens if you're in un, uncharted territory where mm -hmm. you don't know what to do? And, and, and his, his, his notion is like, man, we just got to let it sit with us. I mean, like you and mm -hmm. I would say, we, we got to let it marinate. Yes. Um, and, and that doesn't mean that we stew, but it just means that like, a part of what he's saying is the things that got us to what's solvable can't get us necessarily through what's right. unsolvable. And so yes. I'm naming that as a, um, as someone who comes at things from the left. Mm -hmm. um, and eventually I'm going to come back to this, but all of, but you know, the left says that to solve the, the, the shooting issues, we got to get rid of guns. Right. Well, well, I do think we have, a proliferation of guns that doesn't change the thing that pushes people to a place where they feel like that's their only solution. And so right. I think my, my first foray into this is like, how can I put down some of the rhetoric that I use some of my orientation that I always jump to, to say, this is the problem. Mm. How do I stop from vilifying folks that I think are on the other side of me to first say, man, like, is there a way that I need to view this through a set of compassionate eyes to understand that there is something that is pushing us to the brink? Mm. I'm not saying individuals now, I'm right. saying us. Yes. Because I actually think as a society, we are at the brink. I feel it myself. It's just that I have some internal gauges that don't let me then take those next steps. But I feel more on edge. Um, there are times when I... Uh, because I, I'm feeling a, a mix of emotions. I take it out on my daughters and that's not fair. And I'm having to come and apologize more often. And I'm less patient with myself. I'm less willing to give myself a break. Like all of those things I think speaks to a bigger thing mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. that, that, man, I just, I, I, I hope that we can all just take a moment to say like, um, can we can we answer to kind of a set of, uh, our higher self or can we answer to our more compassionate selves or can we answer for those of us that may be faith people can can we um answer to um kind of this notion of god and love as opposed to like okay i'm gonna create more juxtaposition between you and i mm. there's a lot um a powerful things that you that you said in there. I would I would be interested in 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 knowing like for you like where does that come from? Like what 
is there a sense of like where that lack of, of patience or willingness to give yourself a break, where that kind of where that comes from? Like what, what is driving that? Well, I mean, um, that, that, uh, <laughs> that comes from um, kind of what was modeled for me is that you always are just driving mm -hmm. towards um, this, this sense of perfection, or you're always mm. driving towards um, this this goal of that, that that is unreachable. Yeah. And then the I know that the driving towards doing better and being better may be a good thing for folks, but then not taking the time to celebrate yeah. along the way. So, like, um, you know, I I I think in some ways I like the drive that I have, but then I also learned that you don't celebrate, like you find fault. So I find yeah. as I'm, if, as I'm trying, if I do as an organizer, if I set up an action or I set up a project or I do a training um, and then, and then when I, when I review the training, I was like, man, we could have done better here. That's not the problem. The problem is I also, I also haven't taken the time to like, man, you did this really well. You, know, mm. you captured the essence of this well, or in this moment when you had leaders speak on this thing, they really moved the crowd. So there's a part of celebration that I miss for myself yeah. in terms of acknowledging, man, th this was a really good thing that you did. Um, and then I think the other thing for me is like, uh, as I think about a bigger picture, is like, man, I I just don't think we. Um, we know and understand and have a sense of just how much the pandemic has mm -hmm. affected us. Yeah. Like, I, and I know, like, there are some people going around saying that uh, that, that a pandemic was coming, like that, that we were bound for this. I remember sitting <clears> in places <throat> where people talked about um, that, hey, you know, that we are due, like these things happen mm. over time, but that doesn't take into account that we experience a worldwide shutdown yes. in which folks in, in different ways were then essentially said, you are not to go out, you are not to engage, um, you are not to connect with, we called it social distancing, yeah. right? So we, we said like, hey, we are supposed to kind of keep ourselves away from others. And as beings who are meant to live in community, and I know we found different ways to engage and connect, and those were all important, but man, that had an effect. They had an effect on oh, me. Oh, like, like I'm, I'm more reticent now to want to be in a crowded place. And yeah. like you're, the funny thing is, I give you a hard time all the time when we're out together and we'll be sitting in a bar. People talk to you and like, why are you talking to that man? Why is that? <laughs> and, and you're like friendly and engaging. But there's something in me. It's like. People start talking to us, and I don't know them. I don't trust them. Right. I don't want to engage. The banter doesn't feel the same. So I have internalized a way of being that um, that kind of reinforces uh, the sense of of isolation inside of mm. me. Yeah. So I've been talking for a while, man. I'm I'm gonna let you jump in, but, but those are all the things that that I I know is happening inside of me. Well, there's so much to unpack, and I feel like I, I feel like some of the things are connected, like the the notion of feeling like you could do better. Like, I don't know about you, but anytime I have left any sort of like training or presentation, I mean, as, as soon, it's not even as soon as I'm done. It's as soon as I've moved from one part of the training to the next part of the training, 
in my mind, I'm thinking, oh man, that could have been better. Yeah. That could have been better. And it then impacts how I, I do you know, the next part of the training, the next part or post speaking and like, it's all critique. How do I get better? How do I get yeah. better? And I feel like a part of that is rooted in how I was raised, how I was brought up. Mm -hmm. I, I have a feeling that for, I mean, in, in some of the research I'm starting um, to, to take in um, that a lot of people who are raised to be boys and men kind of have that same mm -hmm. kind of like, you've got to be better. And part, and, and part of it is, and, and that carries over for me into my personal life. So it's not just work, but yeah. it's, you know, how do I become, you know, a better provider? Like I'm not doing enough. I'm not making enough. I need, you know, I'm not, I'm not far enough along. I'm not provide, doing a good enough job providing. I'm not being good enough as, you know, as a partner or a father or a friend or like, and it's just constant critique without really doing a whole lot of reflection on, hey, you actually did the thing. Yeah. Like you're actually doing the thing. You're actually doing, you know, doing your best. But I also feel like a part of that day comes from not ever having really gotten that. Yeah, no, for real. You know? Um, and so I think the connection point between, you know, that and what we experience, and I, I, I keep talking in past tense as if COVID is over, you know, but I mean, like, I mean, I think we are, we are, we are over COVID. COVID is never over, but I think the thing that we are over collectively is that being this feeling of being trapped, feeling caged, um, you know, like, and I found myself during, especially during the, the first year, I found out how judgy of a person I am. Mm. People not wearing a mask or um, not wearing the mask in the way that I think they should be wearing the mask. Right. I still don't understand why you wear a mask, but it's under your nose. But hey, that, that's neither here nor there. But like, but people coughing, like I'm still judgy in on, on on airplanes. Yeah, man. Like people coughing, sneezing, they're not wearing a mask. I'm like, and it, I have to tell myself, I'm like, I don't know if they can afford a mask. I don't know. But even, but like I found myself being very judgy and it's like us versus them. Like there's the people who mm. give a shit about COVID right. and people who don't. And I, 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 I realized just how tribal I am. Mm -hmm. Um. But to your point about the impact on what that did, like, yes, as a country, we were in survival mode. And there were people who were like, trust the science. And there were people who were like, screw Anthony Fauci, put him in jail. But there was no, there, and there, there's really been no room on whether or not you believe COVID was real or not, whether you think, you know, the, the impact of COVID was it severe as not, but there was no willingness to say, you know what, you on that other side, you might be right. Like, and I've had to come to the place in looking at and starting to try to even understand what might the impacts, the long-term impacts of a shutdown are. I haven't been as willing as I needed to be to say, you know what, I think they, they may have been right about some things, the people mm -hmm. who didn't want shutdowns. Like, even if I don't agree that there shouldn't have been, I'm like, can I at least recognize the reasons why 
Yeah. People may not have wanted to shut down. And on the uh, and and so and I can't they I can't control them. And, and that's the other thing too that I have found is I have this need in this, I want to be able to control how people that like, I'm so interested in like, how do I get people to understand my side? Right. I have no control over that. All I can control is, is to be open mm-hmm. to say, you know what? You might be right. You may have been, you may have been right about shutdown. You know what? People who don't, you know, who, who love their guns, you know what? Maybe you might be right. Maybe it's not even about taking away the guns right now. I, I personally, I'm, I'm coming to a place where, well, A, I do believe that, I'm just putting it out there that I just don't, I don't believe that the proliferation of semi-automatic weapons, automatic weapons, or weapons that can be made to be semi-automatic or automatic, I don't believe the proliferation of those is a wise thing. That's just my right. position, but, or I should say, and, and. I am just now coming to the place where I can say, you know what, maybe you're right. Maybe right now is not even a time for us to talk about taking guns away. But can we can we talk about what might be driving someone like a, the person in, in Chesapeake or the person in Colorado Springs, a person in, in Charlottesville or Moscow, Idaho? Like, can we talk about what might be driving people to commit these acts against humanity can we can we put away the gun conversation for a while like the how because that that to me is a how issue yeah and we need to talk about the why yeah man that's all really important like so like if 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 i think about Here's the trainer in me. So I apologize for this coming out. But like, so one first principle, I think, is is just to recognize, like, we've just been through a lot. Yes. Um, again, like, I, I know that they talked about this pandemic and the 19, I don't know, mm-hmm. was it 1918? Yeah, like yeah. I mean, wait, or 19, I, it, it, None of us were alive for no. the most part, right? So this is the first time we lived through it. And Keith Richards was alive, but that was it. <laughs> Only Keith Richards was alive during that time. And like we didn't know how to act. Like I mean, and even the scientists, like they modeled a set of things. But so like we we bit. So that's the first principle. Like this is unprecedented times, and this, and right. this isn't about you trying to kind of live out your mission. And they just like these are unprecedented. Yes. Then I think the second thing that you're talking about that's really important is like. Um, feels that feels important to me is is something that I've learned, um, and it was like, can we shift our orientation from seeking to be understood mm. to seeking to understand? Ooh, okay, right. So, yeah. like, so most of the time, what we want, what we're trying to do when we talk to people and we convince them and yeah. show them that, like. The, val- the validity of our arguments and how smart we are and, how, and how, how, much, how many facts we have. It's like, but that's because we want to be understood. We want right. folks to, but what if we started with like, can I understand the person or persons across from me mm-hmm. who are standing um, opposite me? Like, can I just, can I understand them for a minute? I, I think that's what you're saying. Yeah. Um, that feels really important, dude. Mm. 
Yeah, it, it is important. And so, and I, they, I struggle with this because my leaning is, has been, help me understand you so then I can figure out the best way to convince you that you're wrong. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and that is not, it is, it is not helpful. It is not healthy. And so the the thing that I am trying to learn how to do is the very thing that you just tried, like to seek to understand, just to understand and to empathize, like that feels new yeah. to me. But it means, I mean, it mean, I, I'm the same way, dude. Like, I, I, I actually think for, like you, like I said, you do this. Like, you, you, we'll be sitting, and someone will say something to you, and I'm immediately like judgy, <laughs> and you're talking to them, and then like, by the time we leave the damn bar, like, you got a new friend. I'm like, I don't need any more friends. Like, barely <laughs> can keep in touch with the ones I got now. But some of that, dude, is like, we, we, we have to be willing to suspend our judgment and be curious. Yes. Like, well, you know, what is it? Like, what, what, what does that mean? Um, like, what, what is the person trying to say? Or, um, I mean, the, it's not the answer. It's just, it puts us on a different pathway. And I, mm. I, I think that feels important. I mean, yes, a hundred percent. I mean, now it sometimes it's annoying because sometimes we were having what for us is a very thoughtful conversation <laughs> about, you know, the Dallas Cowboys or whatever. And, and, well, you gotta bring, like, I mean, <laughs> see, I'm sliding everything in. I've already gotten Chuck Schumer in check. I've already <laughs> taken a dig at the Dallas Cowboys. Check. I can't believe um, but like, but it, it sometimes it's annoying, but yet I think it does speak to the fact that the people, especially after the pandemic, when people are trying to connect, it's not even a conscious thing, but there's a part of me that's like, okay, I'll, I'll hear you out just because, I mean, isolation was hard on me. So like, this was when I was still um, working at, at the community health council and there was a researcher at KU and she was presenting on the impact of social isolation. So this would have been back in 2018, 2019. And her research showed that chronic social isolation has the same physiological impact on a human being as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Like there's a deterioration. This is pre-pandemic. So now add in all of this. Yes, 15 cigarettes, chronic, like chronic, and I can't remember how she defined it, but basically where if you go through a week and you maybe only see two or three other human beings, like where you have real interaction, that was like, and so then, then we had a social policy saying, everybody is locked down. Stay, stay away. Yeah. Stay away. So all of the, all of your strong connections, like with your coworkers, your, your, I don't want to say we, I'm not, it's not a judgmental term when I call weak ties, but the person you see at the coffee shop, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, you know, the, the postal worker, what have you. The person you see all the time yes. that you talk to, you may not know their name, yes. but, but you're still acknowledging yes. them. Yes, yes. have got lots of those people. Yeah. And so. I like to keep people there. Yeah. <laughs> like this family. No, I don't want to know your name. <laughs> why, why, why are you telling me your no, name? No, I, I know your name. Just don't tell me your family <laughs> stuff, man. I can't get all up in that with you. I can't get up in that mix. And and I'm saying, like, that's my, like, that's a weakness on my part. They'll be like, you know what happened? No, I don't. But I got to go. 
But see, I need see, I need part of that because people then want to start telling me novels. I feel like I feel like I'm the person sitting on the park bench next to Forrest Gump. Like, and but except it, the person didn't change. Like, I'm still the one sitting there for the whole movie <laughs> instead of it being different people. Like, that must have been a long ass bus that they were waiting on. I'm that like, was a on, long bro. bus. I'm like, bro, come on, man. You, I mean, it's the South. How, how many conventions did he miss? It's the South, man. Uh, <laughs> They don't see. There I go. Like they don't invest in their infrastructure. That's all. Like I, I, I got my, I got my whole, I got, I got my whole narrative going already. But see, but, but yeah, but so like, so yeah, I, I there are times where I'm really annoyed by, it, but like getting people like to talk to me, um, it feels like a superpower. Mm -hmm. um, but, but we lost the ability. We actually, literally lost the ability to connect because we couldn't. Yeah. That's anymore. for real. That's for real. And so what what the impact of that is? Like I I mean I can't even begin to to know even like what the long-term effects are, but on on me, yeah, I don't I don't I'm not as open to meet new people or want to talk to new people. Like it feels like I'm learning to walk again or something. So I think that's really important cuz like sometimes we just need other people just to help like so it's about connections, right? Mm -hmm. And it it it's it it's about like not being because you know when you're by yourself, I, I don't know this about smoking, but but I know there's like I'll be by myself and I'll be watching TV, binging something or something. Mm -hmm. And next thing I know, I look up and I'm like, oh, I finished three bottles. I right. looked at three bottles and I didn't right. know. Like, right. you, you right. so at least when I'm with you, you're like, dude, it's only been thirty minutes and you made it through three bottles. Like, what's going on? I was like, oh. This is good. So we need them as a check, but I think we need them as a check for this. So, so there's another connection I feel like I'm making as, as you're talking is um, when I do trainings about oppression. So, mm. and, and this is um, a guy that I uh, really, I, I keep, he's one of my go-tos, but his name is John Powell. Mm. Um, he's, and he's at, uh, he's at the uh, Ber uh, Berkeley Center for, um, but othering and belonging. Yeah, there you go. Institute. See, you, you yeah. know where he is. I yeah. just know he's in California. Yeah. Um, and he has a four. He think he talks about this in race, but I think it's 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 uh, or I should say racism, but it's true for other oppressions. And he, he understands oppression in four dimensions, right? Mm -hmm. He understands it as interpersonal, intrapersonal, institutional, and structural. And I mm -hmm. think one of the things about disconnection that happens is it. Uh, outsizes our intrapersonal oppression. Mm. Um, the way it so intra meaning within. And so the idea is like, and then I'm now involving someone else who's informed my thinking um, yeah. around this is like what happens when we internalize oppression, like we see the world, we see the world through um, kind of a dominant narrative is that I think it, what it does is it either reinforce it reinforces um, uh, a sense of uh, inferiority. Mm -hmm. So like you internalize inferiority mm -hmm. or you internalize superiority, right? So for men, we internalize this notion that about the rightness of masculinity, yeah. uh, the rightness of like uh, defaulting to anger and coercion mm -hmm. and like um, kind of, kind of this angry flexing yeah. um, that, that happens when, so the best way out of a situation is to fight our way out yeah. um, when we don't know what to do, 
Um, but then as a person of color, the inferiority of like, uh, you know, it's like, I don't deserve to be here. I don't know what I'm talking about. Like, I don't have a right to speak into these things. And I think that internalized notion, like both inferiority and superiority, what it does is it gives us kind of this, um, this distorted view of who we are mm -hmm. and then we don't have anybody to correct it like so right. part of relationships is that someone can say can check us and say hey are you sure that's what you meant by that or, or mm, what, yeah. what are you doing right yeah. now or to even say dude this isn't who you are like 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 you're like you know you, you got angry in this situation but i know that's who who that's not who I know you to be. Right. But when I'm by myself, I, I resort to that and I might feel guilty about it later, but then it's just like, well, you know, I, th this worked for me. Like I made it through yeah. I'm on the other side or whatever. So yeah, uh, that, that feels, th that's what came up for me as you were talking about your, you know, as you, as you were sharing about this idea of um, smoking 15 packs a day. <laughs> Could you say more? So you, you've, you've touched on, to the four, the the interpersonal and the interpersonal. Like for listeners who who may be kind of introduced to this concept for the first time, like say more about the other two. Well, um, I mean, so you know, in, inter is between and among. Right. That, that, so that's that's the kind of oppression that happens yeah. between people. That's what we think about. Yeah. I just said that intra is within ourselves. I mean, institutional is just the oppression that happens within the institutions mm -hmm. that we have set up in, in, in our um in our society so when we think about for instance racism it's like um in, here in kansas city it's about um uh historical precedents that that uh create uh red lines yeah. for which uh pe black people first but then other people of color mm -hmm. or other uh, marginalized groups they can't go beyond in terms of finding housing they right. can't um, get loans for housing like it's it's um it's making certain segments of um, a city more expensive to live in because of the cost of insurance. Mm -hmm. I mean, so that that's institutional. It's like we have these institutions that impose a set of uh, uh, th that oppress by imposing a set of restrictions yeah. on folks. And then structural is um, thinking about like it's it's the it is oppression, and again, yeah. let's use racism. Yeah. It's racism that exists over time. It's yeah. about the laws that uh -huh. codify a certain mm. way of being, right. and the codification of that being. It, ha it, 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 like it happens over time, and so you know, we we stand in 2023. We stand and look at something happening without kind of analyzing the fact that it had its start in, in, in kind of a racist structure. Mm -hmm. So just let me be real clear, like this whole idea of, of uh, Asian folks who are seen as, um, who is seen as they're either the model minority or they're uh, perpetual foreigners. Well, that had its beginnings mm. um, in, in, in laws that didn't uh, like the the Chinese Exclusion Act, which mm -hmm. was um, the first time we outlawed a group of people from coming to um, to the United States, the Page Act, which then uh, saw Chinese women as only being prostitutes. So the yeah. exoticization of of Asian women uh, as being uh, objects. Like that has its beginnings in a law that said that they're only coming over here to be prostitutes. Well, 
that that structure the, the structural racism says that over time that reinforces a set of yes. beliefs. So now nobody can name the Page Act. Right. But, but the fact that how we tend to view Asian women has been codified through this law. So structural racism, structural oppression is just this idea that it's it 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 endures over time. And so yes. you might not, you might have a, that law doesn't exist. And, and it was, and it was redone. And we redid the, in 1965, we redid the Chinese mm -hmm. exclusion act and we opened it up, but it, there is a durable kind of long lasting effect of, of how all that works. It's kind of like, for me, like until my cousin, maybe 15 years ago, started doing like the lineage of kind of understanding our ancestry and, and, our, you know, all of our history, like you come into this, like, like, oh, this is my mom and dad. This is you know, my grandparents. This is where we live with no real, but there were all sorts of things right. that happened in order to create the environment that we're in. So it's kind of like, I mean, and I would say, I mean, so thinking about those four levels, the interpersonal, the interpersonal, uh, the institutional and structural, like, I feel like those could be cyclical because it's like, I think about where we are today, like in our country, like we have, our country was built on the notion of othering, mm -hmm. right? And of othering and exclusion. Um, and so when we think about where we are today and like this, what I, you know, I think what, yeah, you know, I, I think Niobe Way was the first person. Uh, she's this brilliant NYU researcher who, who, um, she does research on adolescent boys mm. and um, and looking at the impact of like the desire for boys to to have intimate relationships, but uh, with other boys like friendships, but they lose that over time. And then Judy Chu's work is really understanding like when boys begin to lose the ability to uh, to develop those kind of close connections because we socialize boys to be tough, man up, right. boys don't cry, this, that, and this, that, and the third. I feel like our history as a nation is rooted in that, in that system of how we, if, if all of the the values and the norms and the policies, all of the institutions are being run by a set of people, in this case, mostly men, mostly white men. And if that is the construct by which all of these men who have been, have been raised under that same kind of mindset, I mean, I look at like, so when I think about what is the patriarchy like what is that thing like i feel like what we're what we're experiencing in chesapeake virginia and charlottesville and on and on and on i think has a tie to this because when we lose our ability to to empathize we lose our ability to mm -hmm. to want to understand the other as opposed to control yeah and coerce yeah the other um it makes it it almost makes the things that we're experiencing right now, it makes how people responded to COVID-19 as almost inevitable. Like I, and, and so, but it's not irreversible. Yeah. And, yeah. and so I, I, I do believe that now is the time 
for us to truly visit how how we how we begin to form young people mm. how do we begin to socialize young people to be fully human where they don't have to begin to hide parts of who they are because the 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 Colorado Springs shooter they changed their name they didn't want their father's name anymore yeah they were trying to distance themselves as far away from how they were raised as possible so it, it felt like an issue of, of safety, of emotional and maybe psychosocial safety that they changed their name, but all that pain, it still revealed itself in the, the carnage in Colorado Springs. And I'm like, what, how, might, how might we begin to, to begin to, to understand what causes I mean, we're talking about extremes when we talk about like mass violence or what I would call community violence. Um, but that's not the only thing that it's impacting. It's impacting the nature of our our, our relationships, like intimate relationships, um, friendships. It's the way we set up um, our our um, corporate economic structures. How we set up our you know educational structures. Um, it has an impact, I believe, on housing, on climate, on food access. Like the the if if we if we begin to have our ability to be fully human stripped away from us in our formative years, that ultimately is going to have an impact when we say, well, how how might we begin to reduce community gun violence? Well, we've got a whole sector that has a political identity. Is like, well, that's weakness. Yeah, we don't do that. And so like, we don't, it's like, it's kind of, it's hard to find a good starting ground when we can't even recognize so that is sheer humanity that something has to change. And it may not be guns, but something, um, I don't know. Like at a certain point, we have to acknowledge that the way that we are doing society in America, it needs a... Uh, it needs change. Like it means real change. Yeah. I, part, part of the reason why I like our friendship, Jerry, is like, um, I, I, at my kind of my most earnest, I, I go into preacher mode and I, I develop <laughs> metaphors and you're super practical. And I love that because you, you push me to think about being practical. Um, so I, that's my disclaimer for saying I'm fixing to, 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 to be metaphorical again. Um, to your point about like, uh, you know, the internalized trauma that one feels um, that would push one to then engage in some sort of um, kind of mass uh, event, mass destruction mm -hmm. event, mass murder event. Like, I, I don't want to excuse it. I So like, I, I, I am not a law enforcement person. I like, th there are a set of things that if, if we're talking about how we need to handle that, that I, I want to, um, that, that I would, that's, this is not my point. I just, I'm, I'm trying to pick up on your thought about like the, the, the person, um, who who 
who like was feeling a lot of pain and, mm -hmm. and, and this, you know, like what we know. And, and I don't want to get too much into it because we're still gathering information, yeah. right? But it, to your point about the person changed their name um, uh, because they, they didn't want to be associated with their dad. Like, I'm just saying that there's just a lot that picking up mm -hmm. on the point that we, 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 we start off with is like, this pandemic has pushed us in ways that we don't understand. Yeah. And then we were isolated and then we turn in on ourselves either um, through inferiority, inferiority mm -hmm. or superiority. Like it's like we're, all of this trauma. Right. Um, and if we know then that being alone and isolated has these huge um, effects on us. Right. Like, mm -hmm. Akin to smoking 15 packs of cigarettes and all yeah. that is then it feels like um, part of the antidote. So again, this is a metaphorical antidote, um, but it's I, I'm just reminded of Toni Morrison's book, Beloved, mm. and Baby Suggs Holy, like part of what Baby Suggs Holy is doing is calling us as part of our healing, yeah. is calling us to the clearing. And mm. the clearing is this place where where we don't lose our identity, but we go into the clearing, and then based on our identity, like we, the clearing open it is an open space that allows us to be. Maybe you're gonna dance in the clearing, mm. maybe you're gonna sit and watch in the clearing, mm. um, maybe you're gonna write what you yeah. see in the clearing, right? It, but the idea is like the clearing is this communal space that then allows us to say who we were in isolation mm. isn't who we have to be That's moving right. forward. Mm. And there is a way in which the clearing allows us to see each other and yeah. recognize that you don't have to be me and I don't have to be you. And there's an openness to be in the clearing. Mm. And again, I, I, like if you like some really good people can then take that metaphor to then figure out like what are the programmatic ways, but the idea is that we're, we're being called into a space, mm. a communal space that allows us to be together without conforming to, to a particular way, like you get to be, and I, and, and that, that the clearing, I think it's really important that it's not obstructed by trees and mm. rocks and like, you don't have to climb over things. And yeah. I don't have to, you know, I don't have to take, to, to, to your forest gum metaphor, I don't have to take four buses to, to get to your side of the clearing. Like I can right. see you mm. in that clearing. And and I just think that that as we continue to make our way through this side of the pandemic, so I'm like mm. you, we're not done with it because right. like the after effects are huge. Like maybe the invitation is to create clearing spaces for mm. folks to be to see, uh, to dance, to, to yes. celebrate, and then to grieve with each other. Like yeah. that feels like what, what we need to do. And so the, for me, the question is like, how am I doing that? How am yeah. I creating clearing space for folks? I was gonna ask you like, what would that look like? Um, what would that look like for you? Because it, what, when you were saying that it reminded me, uh, I was listening to, I listened to uh, Brene Brown you know, people, some people have certain opinions about Brene. I like Brene. Um, but she was talking about one of her skilled facilitators who was pushing back on, on Brene's kind of like call for creating safe spaces. And one of her facilitators is like, 
I don't really know about that. I don't know. We can't guarantee safety, but what we can do is create brave spaces, mm -hmm. right? And that when you were talking about the clearing, in my mind, I'm like, entering into the clearing space does not come without risk. No, there's there's definitely risk. Yeah. Because I, I, first of all, you, you got you, you got to be brave enough to want to walk into the clearing. Yeah. And the clearing... Like it doesn't exist. Like you can't look out your window and see it. You got right. you got to move from one place yes, to go there, that's right. and it's obscured. Yes. And once you get there, there's a there's a thing that you see you see differently, mm -hmm. right? But you got to trust that you're walking towards clearing. Yeah. Um. So there's two parts to that, right? That two parts of that trust, and and like for the three people who now are listening to this, we used to have five, but they're like, I don't know what they talk about anymore. <laughs> is um. I think there has to be an invitation into the clearing. Yes. And then there has to be acceptance into the clearing. Mm. And then there has to be a sense of faith that um, the person who invited you isn't seeking to wound you mm. further. Yeah. So, um, I mean, you, you say, what does that look like for me? Like, I mean, some of this is, this is the thing, like, I, the, 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 sometimes we just have to take the wisdom from the people who went before it is, is like um maybe it means like i i need to break out my 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 fire pit and put it in my mm. driveway mm. and just have some people over so that we can reacquaint ourselves with what it means to gather yes something i i i've been you know like i i've been one of the things that i've been exploring around what I want to pursue and giftedness is I love how tastes come together. And mm. maybe like one of the things I do is like, I don't just you know, do like I do. I have some parties where I invite people over. I was like, I just came up with a new, uh, you know, uh, like, well, we, we did it. And, but it's like, Hey, let's invite some, some, some friends over and we're going to go watch the, um, second, second, uh, uh, the sequel to um, Black Panther, mm. uh, like Wakanda Forever, and then oh, I'm, I just because of it, I, I I decided to make up a drink called Tribute to T'Challa, and yeah. like we're doing that, and and I'm not saying there's anything special about that. I'm just saying that part of it is like gathering folks, inviting them into a space where they can, like we were laughing and talking, and I thought to myself, man, this 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 feels good, yeah, you know. And then we 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 had a drink, and then we went to the movie, and then. Um, and my daughter's even like, well, dad, like they, they even mentioned, they're like, well, dad disinvited us. Cause we want to go with you. <laughs> so I'm so creating clearing for everybody, but my family, <laughs> but maybe it's that. And, and we know how, we know how um, powerful it is to, mm. to be at table together. Yeah. Right. And, and, and yes, I know that when you're with family, like it can be stressful. Like all of us are about to engage in a, perhaps a set of stress yes, yes. around Thanksgiving, <laughs> but like may, maybe, and here's the thing, like people, my, my, my uh, kin that, that I agree with, they will be like, we can't call it Thanksgiving. And, yeah, you know, cause, yeah. cause, cause there's a history. Yes. I agree with all mm -hmm. that, but could we then just say on, on this, on, on the holiday that is commonly known as Thanksgiving in, in, yeah. in, um, in, in the year of 2022, can we just say that, that we're creating a clearing mm. and in that around a table and in that clearing, we're also going to take some time to express gratitude 
yes. for each other and mm -hmm. with each other. Yes. Like, can we do that? And how might that then create kind of this, 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 how would that solidify the bid for connection yeah. that allows us to be brave in other spaces? I think they, I feel like you're hitting on something I, that there's a, the, the idea around Thanksgiving and like this, the spirit of gratitude as being a way in which we invite that could be the call that, you know, like if there was a notion of the call and response of the call to entering the clearing and, and but to your point, like, I have to think about this because I'm like, do people who say, I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving, are they, is they, do they have ill intent? Are they, are they saying that with the recognition of, you know, Hey, you know, happy day of recognizing that, you know, like on stolen land that, you know, we're thankful for stolen land and the, the, you know, you know, the killing of millions of indigenous people. They're not, that's not the spirit in which people well, are coming at it. Absolutely. And and I want to acknowledge, like in a different space, I want to acknowledge that the history we tell around Thanksgiving is, a, is, is part of a dominant narrative. Yes. I want to acknowledge that. I, I think I'm just suggesting that, um, let, let me use this example. Um, so, my mom passed away from stomach cancer when I was 16. And as I had been thinking about it and, and grieving about it, so, you know, I, I'm way past 16 now. So, but the one thing is um, there was a way in which after my mom passed away, people tried to offer consolation to me. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I appreciated the most was just, People, you know, you never know what to say yeah. when, when a loved one that yeah. dies, but they just said, hey, I love you. Just I'm with you. There was a time for people to say, man, like, so my mom, uh, like she allowed the tumor in her stomach to grow without going to the doctor. And then it got misdiagnosed. Mm -hmm. And then it, so it grew further. And so in a lot of ways, the, her late um, the, the the lateness with which it was finally diagnosed as cancer, like th that affected kind of her ability to overcome it. I, I didn't need to hear that right in in the immediate aftermath mm. of having lost my mom, right? Like, and all of that is true. Like in my analysis of like yeah. my own understanding of how healthcare works and then how I take care of my own injuries and all that, like I need to remember that it's somehow in my family, like we try to put this stuff up. But when I'm in the mid, like in the immediate wake of this very just mm -hmm. kind of um, traumatic moment, I didn't need to hear about the analysis. Right. And so I'm suggesting that in the immediate wake of our traumatic moment as um, a people, as a country, as a as a as a world, mm -hmm. like the analysis by which we then understand, like we start to that we start to describe the ills and what's possible i'm saying but maybe the first step is compassion for each mm. other just this notion of saying hey there's a conversation to be had about the history we tell thanksgiving and can i just say that i'm grateful for you yes i i i'm just i'm grateful to be here I'm grateful for these sets of things. I'm suggesting that doing that in the midst of this really painful, traumatic time in our world will do some things that then allow us 
to have mm. a set of analyses around all kinds of things. But no one wants to hear an explanation right. when they're in the midst of grieving. You know, as you were saying that, um, and because I'm, I'm thinking about just all the shootings of the past two weeks, as you were saying that, I was like, I think about what, on the political side of things, how it works. Like there's one side, our thoughts and prayers are right. with you. Right, right. And the side that I usually find myself on is we need a new policy, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And part of what I was thinking was one of the ways that I might help create a clearing when it comes to these things is, is the acknowledgement of what you just said and like, and maybe acknowledging, you know what, now is really, now really isn't the time for a policy debate. Doesn't mean there isn't a time, but let's actually lean into the acknowledgement of the of the grief yeah. and the loss. Absolutely. What would it look like? What if I mean, and what would it look like? It's like, you know what? You guys are absolutely right. We are gonna focus in on just the loss and the grief of people. And I mean, not to not to mention another movie, but going back to Wakanda Forever. I actually feel like the film was an invitation into the clearing. Like it was mm -hmm. in, in like For sure. it was, you know, my, my buddy Ryan really said it best. He's like, this film felt like a funeral. And I'm like, it was a funeral. It was about um dealing with loss and grief, which by the way, is kind of an underlying theme of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> but I mean, but this in particular was an invitation, I think, into the grieving and loss of of someone that uh, of an actor of a human that we beloved um, and a character we love and in deep and like creating a space for us to grieve and I say that knowing that um, not everybody loved it yeah and that's going to be okay so not everyone not everyone who's invited into the clearing into this place of 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 potential reconciliation and healing is going to want to enter into that space. That's right. But it's important that the space is there. And that they're invited. That they're And yeah. that they're invited, 100%. Yeah. Um, and knowing that when you enter into the clearing, someone might, I mean, you know, they might come after you for, for entering into that space. They may take advantage of that. Like, to, like, so my thought was, I think people could score political points or they can dunk on me on social media for saying maybe they're right. But I'm willing to concede that. Yeah. Like, yeah, okay, use it for your political points. Go for it. You're still invited in. That's right. To, to, I think what you're saying too is like to, to um, host space in the clearing and then invite people into the clearing mm -hmm. is like it. It, it's a commitment to process, not a mm. commitment to outcomes. That's right. We, we That's can't right. control outcomes, That's right. right? But mm -hmm. we can control the process. I mean, to your, I just, a story about um, uh, Wakanda Forever is is uh, one of the things that uh, Ryan Coogler did is as he was, I mean, you know, I mean, if you can imagine like how, how here's a, here a director and a writer and a cast that was deeply affected mm -hmm. by Chadwick's death. Mm -hmm. They didn't know it, right? Right, and, and I mean, they didn't know that he was, he was dying sick, yeah. and he was sick. And one of the things that he did, I, I heard, was like 
um, while they were because they started filming during the pandemic and um, he invited the cast to then go spend time with Chadwick's family mm. as a way of like just acknowledging and seeing in real life like this man is wasn't just Tashala, but he had real life and, and yes. people saw that and they could spend some time with each other. Um, and because it was a lockdown, Letitia Wright, Shuri was in England. And because of COVID rules, she wasn't allowed to come and be a part of that. Mm. I, I'm just mentioning yes. this. Like, so what Ryan felt like needed to happen is he needed to acknowledge that like this was just like everybody has their own grief. And, mm -hmm. and could he host some space where they could just talk about what Chadwick meant to them and yeah. all that? And it was really important. It didn't solve a thing, but it created connection so that then the family was like, oh, you all keep doing what you're doing. And then and then the actors then were saying, okay, I now have some insight into what it's like. Like, I know that I lost him as a friend, but I have some insight what it means as a family. And I've got to believe that it... Um, it allowed Angela Bassett mm. to play the Queen Mother yes. in, as an, um, I mean, just, uh, she was riveting, right? Yes. Um, but all of them, like you could like, it, it looked like they felt it. And so that that process part, yes. whether or not critics like it, actually I don't think is the point because right. I have my own engagement into mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. um, but that process point, like I felt it, like uh, Kugler did something with, the the actors that then allowed them to portray the reality in a different kind of way that brought me into it and then the movie became a like yes. then it became a thing for me and yes. so it, it's just that again it's like we I, you're right we can't control the outcome but man if we're committed to doing the thing what what like what it what is the significance of that i think if if many of us Mm -hmm. are committed to creating clearing spaces for folks that that might do more for us than we eventually can even conceive of on yeah. this side of it yeah and as you're talking like i feel like in many respects during the the shutdown and even post shutdown that i have mischaracterized missed um kind of misjudged people's grief people's like their their anger their pain as you're just selfish yeah you are so self-centered i can't believe you're all about you blah 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 instead of you know in retrospect kind of looking back like kind of acknowledging their struggle as real yeah even you know because my what i was saying was dressed in socio-political rhetoric just like theirs but like i am no less human Clearly. They yeah. are no less human. Exactly. And so, like, I, I feel awful looking back and, like, how I have totally misjudged. And, and I recognize that even now, like, I, I mentioned, like, if I'm in a plane and someone's, like, coughing a lot, I'm like, bruh, put a mask on. What do you, like, what are you doing? So, yeah, I, so I struggle with that. And, but I think recognizing that the way that we create a clearing, just even on a very interpersonal or interpersonal, your interpersonal level, excuse me, is having that kind of grace and not spend so much time like judging their intention. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Just kind of, you you tell me all the time. You're like, dude, why don't you just let that person live? Because I'm, I'm a, I, here's, here, here's, here's the thing that one of the truths, 
that I just have to put out there and that's something I'm working on. I am very judgy. I am very judgy. And before the pandemic, I think I was completely blind to it. Mm. Um, and it, it, it is something that, um, that I'm, that I'm working on. And so recognizing the fact that I'm judgy, like how might I recognize the humanity of all people and how do I recognize the humanity in myself? So I think part of it to me is like in, in, in recognizing that this is something that I want to work on. Like I'm recognizing my own humanity. Like, um, but how do we, how do we begin to come to the place where we can just simply recognize that we're all human, that we all process grief and struggle and loss in different ways. Yeah. And that in the clearing that we we can embrace that, like, how, I mean, so yeah, I'm really, I'm really fascinated that I really like that framing of creating the clearing and inviting people into it. And then, but, but then the question then becomes, okay, we're in the clearing. We come to a place where we can recognize each other and the best of, of who we are, then what? It, maybe that's another podcast. Well, for sure, it's another podcast. We, we've been going on for a while, but um, I might suggest that there's time to answer the then what. Mm. Um, the the challenge before us is like, can we? So there is a way in which we could set up the clearing to just mirror the divisions we already have in society. It's like you only invite people to the clearing who agree with you. Mm. And then in the clearing, you're not dancing and giving yourself to the space, but you're using it as another time to kind of cerebralize and yeah. analyze and mm. critique. So I, I think like could maybe the challenge before us is like, can we create a clearing for all kinds of folks and then, and then once we've done that in our own spaces and, and, and in our own ways, like maybe that, maybe then we can have a sense of like, well, where do we go after the clearing? Mm. Um, but the, the creating the clearing space isn't going to be easy. It's, 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 it's going to challenge how we see each other and, yeah. and, and who gets the invitation. Well, so I'm not much of a, I was going to say, I'm not much of a hiker or mountain climber. I don't do, I don't really do. I've never climbed a mountain. <laughs> I've only done a handful of hikes, but I do know that in order to get to the clearing, there's terrain there, yeah. that must be traversed yeah. in order. So there's a lot of work. So like if, if there's a call coming from the clearing, there's work in order for us to respond to that. There's some work we have to do to yeah. get there, yeah. right? For sure. So when you when you accept the invitation to come into the clearing, it is not without work. That's for and sure. struggle, right? That's for sure. And so I think, and I would imagine for those for those two of you who are of our three who who <laughs> might hike and climb, I would imagine that one. I'm, I would imagine Whitney is probably the most likely to do to do those things, <laughs> like. I would imagine that there's a sense of wonder and awe when you have gone through that process of getting into the clearing and then you see the beauty 
that's there. Um, I think that is part of the, so how do, so, I mean, I'm asking so many questions like, well, how do we, how, how do we get to the place where we're real, even willing to move ourselves towards the clearing? Um, but I think, I think that's kind of where the work is. That's the in-between these conversations is the work. So I'm interested in thinking with folks like how, like how, how do we get to the clearing? How do we like, and how do we help people navigate yeah. to that place? How do we make it easier for people to get? Or I would say maybe we, people, if, if you're interested in, in, um, issuing invitation, inviting folks into the clearing, like, tell us, like, what did that look like yes. for you? Um, what, you know, how was it? Like, we want to hear stories. Like, maybe this is a chance for the, for us to hear stories back from folks about what, what their invitation was like and what the, what it was like to either host space in the clearing or, um, begin a conversation about hosting clearing yeah. space. Yeah. I know we, we said we weren't going to do this, but can I just quickly, like you'd mentioned his name and like before John Powell, I want to just shout out the people, those who I feel like in their work have created pathways. Yeah. John Powell, Bell Hooks um, for me, um, recently um, um, Judy Chu, um, who is a brilliant uh, researcher, Niobe Way, Carol um, Milligan, like those are people that I, I feel like from a standpoint of understanding the impact of uh, patriarchy mm -hmm. on, on boys and, and, and those who are raised to be boys and men, um, they're kind of laying out like, I think, potential pathways to the clearing. Yeah. But I just wanted to shout them out because... Um, they have really been formative in in my pursuit of trying to figure out how how we do this. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's that's legit. I I, I think for me, I, I want to close because I'm just trying to take this idea of gratitude seriously. And um, uh, so I I think I want to say, man, I'm I'm grateful for you. I mm. I, I uh, um. You know, when when I faced like kind of the, the toughest time in my adult life, um, like you were there and, and, and we were already um, we were already friends before. But then yeah. I, I felt like you showed up for me in amazing ways. And then I think the other thing I, I just am grateful for is like you have just gone through recently a really tough time in your professional life. Mm -hmm. You felt like our, there, there was a way in which um, you, you were surprised. Mm. And then, and then you had this, your, you, there was a, a space of kind of openness in your mm -hmm. professional life. And in the midst of that, you still provided for your family and you mm. made sure that, that, that they didn't have any needs and you were really clear about how you're going to make your way through. And then I think that time then prepared you for this latest run with mm -hmm. Movember and the kind of um, equity and, and belonging work that you're doing. And so I'm just grateful for, I see you, I see all the work you've done. And in the midst of that, even when those places where you were unclear, you still were you. And so I, I appreciate that in you, brother. Well, thank you, man. Now I, I feel almost bad that I shouted out John, John Powell. <laughs> That's right. You <laughs> shouted out all these famous ass people that don't need any more shout outs because they, they're making money out of their books. 
and then I shouted you out. We, I didn't we know I didn't, who's closer to I the clearing. I didn't shout out my best friend and brother. I shouted out a person <laughs> who I shared a couple <laughs> bottles of wine with over while listening to really bad karaoke. Okay. All right. I, I, okay. All right. I, I see. See, this is how it is. See, he's, he's a better person. I'm me. just closer to the clearing. <laughs> but no, for, man, but I appreciate Like, it, it, I mean, 2021 sucked for me. Yeah. Um, and also in the midst of all the, the pandemic, and I, I wouldn't have gotten through it without you. Like, it's just so, yeah, I'm I'm just I'm grateful for you. I appreciate you, man. Yeah. As much as as for John Powell, too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. See, that's the most famous person you know. That's cracking me up. Yeah, I actually talked to him in person. We shared drinks. John together. doesn't know my name. Like, he knows me by something. I mean, he he wouldn't know my name. He'd be like, he'd wait. He would he would be the person who would wait. Like, he would have his assistant introduce himself to me. But like, oh yeah, Jerry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but I yeah, that's the way I, I shouted him out. I'm so grateful for the person who doesn't even remember my name. That's. So here's what we leave folks with, because this is a long episode. Is I think we should just be like, make sure. I mean, if if we had five, then we had three, and we probably only have one person that's going to make their way from beginning down this. But Thanks for that me. one person, and Whitney is only going to do it because you're going to tag her, and she's going to be like, wait, I had to listen through an hour before my name was brought. Yeah. So Whitney, um, <laughs> Make sure that sometime in these next couple of days, you take a moment and just offer your gratitudes to to um, the people that uh, who are important to you or who you are led to um, share some gratitude with. Yeah, I think that's that's the key. I think that's how we that's how we start. I think that's how we start making our way back to each other. That's right, hundred percent. That. All right, y'all have a very wonderful. What do we? What do we call it? I've been. I've been trying not to call it Turkey Day because that <laughs> sounds like I'm in fourth grade. You know what? I, just the day of day of gratitude. I hope day you all have gratitude. a day of of gratitude and gluttony. <laughs> yes. I mean. I mean that's a part of it, right? Uh, sure. <laughs> find 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 some find some some clearing for yourself right. and uh, the people. That, uh, that that you feel close to. And remember, if the mac and cheese ain't right, none of it's right. <laughs> Amen. <So. laughs> like, thumbs up, sweet potato, thumbs down, pumpkin. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. All right. We're, we're, we're stopping. Now. <laughs> All right. Peace out, y'all.